2: Good evening. It is Eric Erickson here at Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404 872 750 800 WSB Talk. Thank you for your prayers. Christy's scans were good today. She's made it back home from Emory uh, before rush hour traffic, thank goodness. So the president has sabotaged red flag laws um so i to get to this you've probably heard the situation i heard sean hannity mention it a little while ago Uh, he was defending chris cuomo on this and i gotta tell you um i really think it is a bad thing for conservatives to begin harassing uh to begin harassing progressives like progressives harass conservatives now i i realize there are a lot of people. These days who say, you know what, we should give them a dose of their own medicine. They clearly hate it. While I understand that, um, I think if you behave like a brain biblical donkey, because the other side behaves like a brain biblical donkey, what you're telling people who are actually wanting to be a part of the political process and trying to figure out how is that uh, unless you're a brain biblical donkey, there's no reason to participate. So sit it out. And there are far more progressives than there are conservatives who are willing to behave like biblical donkeys in this way. And they ultimately win because our side turns so many people off by behaving that way. I think it's a bad thing. Uh, you, you should not go up to someone in public and harass them. Uh, and frankly, those of you who do, many of you, I think you're probably people of faith and, and you've been driven crazy by the current political environment, and you're never going to go to the, the extremes that the left is going to go, short of not actually being someone of faith. And so they're still going to be able to outpace you just in the extremes to which they're going to go. I think it's bad for them. And frankly, most conservatives have day jobs and they don't have time to go around harassing people. Um, but someone harassed Chris Cuomo of CNN, the dolt that he is. Uh, he, he was out with his family, uh, with his wife and his child. And I've got to tell you, I don't like Chris Cuomo. I think Chris Cuomo is a progressive activist, and CNN gives him the veneer of objectivity he does not deserve. In fact, I, I think I've told you guys before, when I was l- looking at going to Fox, Roger Ailes took me out to dinner, and Chris Cuomo came up because the news had broken, he was moving to CNN, and a Roger Ailes was telling me how Cuomo used to try to get Alan Combs of Hannity and Combs at the time fired. Because Cuomo was convinced he was smarter than Alan Combs, and he's not. Uh, And we do a better job against Sean Hannity. And Roger Ailes didn't particularly like the guy, didn't like his attitude, um, thought he was super aggressive and not very smart. And so he didn't hire Cuomo. And Cuomo wound up going over to CNN. And CNN has given him the the mantle of being an objective journalist when he's really not. He's a partisan Democrat. His father was the governor of New York, and his brother is the governor of New York. He's not a great guy. I, 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 I really, I'm just, I, I don't like him. And I think he gives CNN a terrible, basically, CNN with with Chris Cuomo uh, really is the lesser MSNBC. Chris Cuomo puts on a partisan progressive show with partisan progressive talking points. He You, you see it even more on Twitter. And if CNN would just be honest that they decided to go left and have these left-wing opinion shows masquerading as news shows, then they would be regularly compared to MSNBC and they would be in third place still. And so they try to pretend to be an actual news organization when they're not with a guy like Chris Cuomo on the payroll. Really not a fan of his, but he shouldn't be harassed in public. And if it had just been that. If he had just been harassed in public and Chris Cuomo threatened to throw the harasser downstairs, uh, I would be standing up and saying, you know what? Uh, good for the harasser. Chris Cuomo really should have thrown him down the stairs. But he didn't stop there. Cuomo, the guy, the, the harasser called Chris Cuomo Frito. Fredo is the dimwitted second son failure in The Godfather whose younger brother winds up, who becomes in charge of the family, winds up having him killed. Frito sells out the family and dies. Uh, Frito is an idiot. He is uh, not a good person. Frito is just, he's hes a disappointment to the family. And Chris Cuomo has referred to himself in the past in a radio interview as Frito. He has. He has described himself as Frito. And Chris Cuomo now has declared that calling an Italian man Frito is an ethnic slur. The only people backing him up are CNN executives and people who want to be on Chris Cuomo's show. No, no one else is willing to back him up on this. If he had come out and said, you know what? It, it, it was impassioned and I'm sorry, dumb thing to say. You'd probably let it go. But, but from now on, Chris Cuomo deserves to be referred to as Frito by everyone. Now, you don't have to take my word for the fact that Frito uh, isn't an ethnic slur. You know who else doesn't believe that the word Frito is an ethnic slur? slur? Chris Cuomo, who has called himself that on radio. And you know who else doesn't believe that Frito is an ethnic slur? All these people on CNN. Frito is
3: from the Godfather. It was a weak brother, isn't that your? And they use though? it as an Italian excursion. Any of you Italian? Hey, I'm Italian. I got a little it's a f**ing insult, insult to your people. It's an insult to your f**ing people. It's like the N word for us. Emmy, I mean, he kind of makes Don Jr. to be Fredo in Godfather too. Was Michael Flynn uh, Don Corleone or Fredo? Mafia family run by Michael Corleone, or one run by his weakling brother Fredo? Look, Devin Nunes is proving himself again and again to be the Fredo of the Republican Party. Cruelly compare Donald Trump Jr. to Fredo Corleone. Privately refers to President Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, as Fredo.
4: Right, because Bannon's... You broke
3: my heart, Fredo. (laughs) Uh,
4: Daddy kept Fredo back home, so who cares?
3: It's like the N-word for us.
2: Fredo. I've been saying Fredo. I want Fredos. Fredo. But yeah. You get the point. So now here's the thing. Why are we even talking about a nonsense? You can't understand how Donald Trump just destroyed the possibility of red flag laws passing Congress without understanding what happened today with Chris Cuomo and this uh, Fredo comment from him. Now, where am I? What? Huh? Are you completely confused? So the president of the United States got on Twitter today. And tweeted out that, what is this business with uh, Chris Cuomo saying that Fredo is some sort of ethnic slur and threatening to throw someone downstairs? Uh, Maybe he needs guns taken away. Maybe there's a red flag that he stripped. Now, yeah, here's the actual tweet. Would Chris Cuomo be given a red flag for his recent rant? Filthy language and a total loss of control. He shouldn't be allowed to have any weapons. He's nuts. That is the president of the United States from his Twitter account. Again, would Chris Cuomo be given a red flag for his recent rant? Filthy language and a total loss of control. He shouldn't be allowed to have any weapon. He's nuts. Pretty much signaling uh, that the chance to pass a red flag law is over and done with in Congress, as it should be. Uh, And again, this is a a deeply relevant issue because, as I've been telling you, the chief concern with red flag laws is who could file a restraining order against you and have your guns taken away without a due process hearing? Who could do it? Could could someone look at your Twitter account and have it done? Could someone look at your social media postings and, and get that done? Well, the president's signaling that, yeah, this is problematic. So, here's where this takes on a bit of irony and humor. While this was happening today, while the president was tweeting about Chris Cuomo, his daughter Ivanka was trying to round up votes to pass red flag law in Congress. Yeah, I'm, I'm not making that up. Ivanka Trump did not know her father was... Essentially, ridiculing Chris Cuomo and red flag laws at the same time while she was making the rounds in Congress by phone trying to get Republicans on board red flag laws. She was reaching out to conservative members of Congress trying to see if they could come up with a compromise on the issue, and the president completely blew that up. So, where do we go with gun restrictions now in Congress if the president himself is highlighting on social media just what a bad idea? The, they would be. Well, one of the things they want to do is fix the the um, background screening process, the federal database into which so much stuff goes in. Some other things will become reportable. Uh, from what I'm told, that's one of the plans for uh, Republicans is to expand what can be reported or how long the information stays in the database. Uh, they want to make sure that the, the database actually has the money to be processed. Remember, in the Dayton and in the El Paso shooting, we now know that no one would have been stopped uh, from purchasing those guns. And even the Parkland shooter situation should have been, or it was, no, 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 it was the Sutherland Springs in Texas. That shooter should have been prohibited from buying his gun, but the information had not been put into the database because there was a backlog. So Republicans want to go that route, make sure that things have become more efficient, make sure there's money in place, make sure that the information stays in the database longer, that it isn't purged so quickly, that um, the, the information actually gets in when it's reported and doesn't sit around. I think that's going to be their approach thus far from what I'm being told on background by people and red flag laws are dead. They are dead because the president tweeted at Chris Cuomo and ridiculed Chris Cuomo, even while his daughter was trying to round up support for these laws. Okay, let's talk about blinds for just a minute. I'm actually excited to have blinds.com be an advertiser because I'd actually been thinking of using them for a while. The reason is because my wife and I, we've got some uh, blinds in our house that are shutters, actually. And I don't know if they warped or what, but they don't even close anymore. Blinds.com makes it easy to replace them. Got 15 million windows covered and over 30,000 five-star customer reviews. It's America's number one online retailer for affordable, quality custom window coverage. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let me explain to you what happens. They make the whole experience fast and easy, and every order gets free samples, free shipping, and a free online design consultation. So you send them pictures of your house. They send you back custom recommendations from a professional on what's going to work with your color scheme, your furniture, your specific room. They'll send you free samples to make sure everything looks as good in person. If you've got existing blinds like we do, you take a picture of them, you send them to them, and they can match them up. If you accidentally mismeasured, you picked the wrong color. Well, if you make a mistake, Blinds.com is going to remake your blinds for free as well. So this is a great way to upgrade your house. For a limited time, my listeners get $20 off at Blinds.com. If you use promo code ERIC, that's Blinds.com, promo code ERIC for $20 off. You get faux wood blinds, cellular shades, roller shades, a whole lot more. We were able to replace some that whoever built this house put in. And they buckle, they warped. I don't even know where they came from, but Blinds.com was able to get us things that look just like everywhere else in the house. They did a great job. You go to Blinds.com, use promo code ERIC, rules and restrictions apply. It is Eric Erickson here in Atlanta's evening news. The phone number here is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Travis in Fayetteville, you're going to be next. Welcome. <laughs>
3: Hey, Eric, thanks for taking my call. Uh, the reason I, I, I reached out is that I think what President Trump is doing here is part of a broader strategy we routinely see him employ that's that of the pro wrestling manager. <laughs> uh,
2: and, yeah, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I mean, that that could be it. He
3: puts on a persona. He, he he does this every time some something like this comes up. He says, okay, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. He, he makes moves in that direction, and then he pulls the rug out from under his opponents at the last minute. And I think he's doing this intentionally because he knows there's nothing he can do on gun control that's going to help him politically in the 2020 presidential election.
2: Look, there is absolutely nothing. Um, in fact, I, 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 the most complaining I have heard about the president from his base in the last couple of weeks has been uh, his suggestions on doing something about guns, whether it's background checks or red flag laws. And his profanity. There's actually a couple articles out there in the media today about uh, some Christian evangelicals who uh, had to express their concern about the president's language. Um, The bigger issue, though, is the issue of guns. The president, listen, most Americans are actually fairly favorable to gun rights in this country. And the president really can't do anything to persuade the people who hate him to support gun rights. He, he just he can't. Um, nothing the president is going to do is going to make progressives like him. If Donald Trump came out tomorrow and supported the repeal of the Second Amendment, the left would claim it was a trap and he didn't really mean it and they wouldn't support him. They would want to impeach him still. I do have to say, though, I don't think the president is playing some level of of multi-dimensional chess on this issue. I think the president just wanted to ridicule Chris Cuomo and doesn't really like red flag laws and was willing to use that as an issue because it's forefront of his mind. Because a lot of conservatives and a lot of people on Fox are talking about how they'd be abused. He heard it on TV and threw it that way the president would not be doing this if he knew his daughter was trying to round up votes for red flag laws behind the scenes he just didn't know the phone number here 404-872-0750-1800 w b talk we we really need to get into the immigration issue in ken Cuccinelli. The media really upset with him. Um, but before I get there, Jerry in Doraville, you're going to be next. Welcome.
0: Hi, Eric. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I got a totally different take on this whole tweet with Chris Como.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, actually, I believe Trump was quite serious. Uh, if you go back and look at AG Barr's hearing, Dan... Feinstein questioned him exactly about red flag law. And Barr sat there in front of her and agreed with her that that was one of the best ways of gun control. Mm -hmm. He agreed with red flag law. Now what doesn't make sense is Ivanka going around trying to gain support for red flag law. Yeah. If it's
2: totally opposite of her father's Eve. Yeah, listen l- l- four. This is the why I, r- I, I think the, the way to to understand this and, and you know what, I'm I'm not gonna dissuade people who believe the president plays four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven dimensional chess to beat his opponents. Um, everybody thinks there's some sort of grandmaster play and I I, I disagree. Your mileage may vary. I I really don't think. I I think the president um, is a gut-level politician. He goes with his gut. He sees a bunch of conservatives uh, who have been on social media for the last week and on Fox News talking about red flag laws and how they would be abused. And so he decides to to jump into it and do that. And I don't think he was thinking, oh, this will scuttle red flag laws. I think he thought he would do just what other conservatives were doing uh, or, or what conservatives were doing on social media. And on Fox News, highlighting the absurdity of red flag laws, uh, probably completely oblivious to the fact that many of the people in his administration have been trying to lobby Republicans to get them passed. Well, now he's killed them, uh, whether he intended to or not, uh, which is not a bad thing. Uh, But now we need to move into immigration because Ken Cuccinelli is the president's uh, he's the acting director of immigration and citizenship for the United States. Ken Cuccinelli is a long time friend of mine. I have known Ken for years. He has been to my resurgent gatherings. He is a wonderful guy and I am absolutely delighted, absolutely delighted to have him in that position doing what he's doing. He is a, a genuinely good guy and a very principled conservative. And he has decided to advance the president's agenda for merit-based immigration. This is significant because right now, 44% of non-citizens in this country are on Medicaid or a CHIP program, a a children's health care program, 44%. 21%, one-fifth of immigrants in this country right now who are non-Americans are on food stamps. So a fifth of immigrants into this country are on food stamps, 44% of them are on Medicaid or or a CHIP program. And the president has decided he wants to ensure that when immigrants come into this country, the immigrants in this country are self-sufficient and not actually taking from uh, taxpayer dollars on government welfare. Here's Ken Cuccinelli.
0: The words at the base of the Statue of Liberty that read, give us your tired, your poor. You were implementing a public charge rule for the first time. Is that sentiment, give us your tired, your poor, still operative? in the United States, or should those words come down? Should the plaque come down off the statue? Of Liberty? Well, I, I'm certainly uh, not prepared to take anything down off the Statue of Liberty. Um, we, we, uh, we have a, a long history of being one of the most welcoming nations in the world on a lot of bases, whether you be an asylee, whether you be coming here to join your family, or immigrating yourself. This rule will cover, for USCIS, almost 400,000 people a year. Um, whose applications to become legal permanent residents will include uh, a meaningful analysis of whether they're likely to become a public charge or not. I do not think by any means we're ready to take anything off the Statute of Liberty.
2: Now, so what is public charge? Public charge means essentially that when you immigrate into this country, you will not become a ward of the state. You will not be put on uh, the public dole if you come into this country, they want to weed out immigrants who might do that. Here's a random fact I learned today. I have researched it. It is true. It is not just one of those urban rumors. The year before Emma Lazarus put up her poem uh, at the base of the Statue of Liberty, Give Us Your Tired, Your Poor, Your Yearning to Breathe Free, the United States passed an immigration law that prohibited any immigrant coming into this country from getting government assistance the year before that was put up on the statue of liberty that law was passed uh it's not true to say we've never had a public charge law before um we actually did the year before that point went on the statue of liberty uh, the united states was very very immigration restrictionist very immigration restrictionist after the uh civil war and to say otherwise is simply not true and, frankly, the president wants to prioritize merit-based immigration. But, of course, the media is treating this as if it's some sort of backdoor to racism. Let me play this clip. This is Kelly O'Donnell. She is on MSNBC. She's talking to a reporter. Actually, you know what? Let me let me play this clip first. This is Kelly O'Donnell explaining exactly what the president's policy is going to be.
5: It's really making a choice for them about whether they can receive those benefits at the risk of not perhaps getting the eventual path toward permanent residence or citizenship that goes against a lot of the ethos of what it has always meant to be an immigrant country where many times people come to the u.s. where they may not have the economic strength but ultimately sometimes within a few generations build that economic strength whether it's language barriers whether it is uh, any of the conditions uh, that can be a part of the immigrant experience so it's a different approach and certainly critics say it is a harsh approach the Trump administration says they want to focus on on having immigrants who have more economic uh, abilities and in some cases, academic skills, uh, sometimes in the case of uh, the visas that provide for people who have some of the job skills that the U.S. is looking for. A different approach, but one that really speaks to the president's
2: base. There you go. That's the explanation for it. But now listen to the interpretation from the MSNBC anchor, who Kelly O'Donnell actually has to push back on uh, because he suggests this is all part of the president's consistent racist scheme. And she's got to point out, uh, he's actually been very consistent. He wants merit-based immigration.
5: You know, the the president has always had a preference for immigrants from Nordic countries. He's made that very clear as opposed to some of the other uh, disadvantaged countries.
2: You know, he's never made that clear before. Never has he said that.
5: Walk us through the impact on these immigrants. Why now? Well, I don't know that the president has expressed a preference for Nordic countries. Uh, That is something where, I'm not sure where you're getting that from, but he has certainly said that he has an emphasis on merit-based immigration, and he has talked about that extensively, so that matches up to his rhetoric. This change in policy is certainly going to have an impact on immigrants who are here who are utilizing any type of uh, public uh, sort of support, whether it be food stamps or general assistance or any kind of public support. And that is certainly of great concern for immigrants who are having uh, difficulty making ends meet and how that would affect their ultimate move toward getting a green card. Immigrants who currently possess a green card may not see any difference.
2: There you go. Uh so this really isn't gonna change anything about the president's policies. It's not racist. You can disagree with it. He wants to value um people who come with job skills. He actually wants to value Asian workers coming to the United States, not Nordic workers coming to the United States. And you know who else agrees with him? Joe Biden. Joe Biden himself has said that he values immigrants from areas who come here highly educated on merit and assimilate into this country and improve our country steven coming you're gonna be next welcome to the program steve how are you
3: i'm doing good thanks for taking my call sure um hey uh i i just got to do a really cool tour of ellis island they just opened up about a year ago the hospital connected to ellis island and it was closed for like 50 years uh and it's kind of like a haunted tour the glass is broken and all this stuff But they tell the story about how the immigrants coming in had to, and they processed 15 million immigrants through Ellis Island back then, but they had to prove up both health and wealth. They had to have Mm -hmm. at least $20 to their name, which was obviously a little bit more significant back then, uh, for the children, I think it was 150 for adults, I, I forget the number. But they also had to prove health. They all got processed through the hospital because of all the possible diseases they could have brought from their countries or brought, or kept, uh got on the boats and vessels that they came over on, and if they were not healthy, and if they could not prove that they had a job waiting for them, or that they could be accretive to society, they weren't allowed to enter. And right. so, uh, what I think is, the poem was just incomplete, because the process back then, all this nonsense that this is new is, is, not, is utter nonsense, because... The, the other two words that you had to do is you could be tired, poor, and hungry, but you also had to be passionate and committed to be accretive to our society. And I know many immigrants that fit that description, and I've met a lot that don't. And I don't think that's a bad thing. As long as you're passionate and committed, yeah, you want, you can have access to this country. But that's that was the process back then. Right. It was Steve, you know,
2: I think this is something where, where it is typically white elite liberals Uh, are completely out of touch with the average American, including the average Hispanic American who is a legal immigrant to this country, who came here and and busted their butt to get ahead. All of the data suggests that most Americans support merit-based immigration. It is one reason, in fact, that you have guys like the guy on on MSNBC and others claiming the president wants racist immigration policies that prioritize white people over anyone else, which isn't true. The reason they're doing that is because if they have to honestly explain why the president wants to do what he's doing and how it would impact people, most Americans would actually support that. Uh, well, whether you do or not, whether I do or not, it doesn't matter. Most Americans support merit-based immigration. And, in fact, in this country, prior to Lyndon Johnson's Great Society, if you were an immigrant coming into this country, you had to be able to take care of yourself. There was no massive social safety net. When we come back, though, we got to switch to domestic local Georgia politics. Stacey Abrams on the cover of Vogue.
0: Running. We have a
2: Good evening, welcome, it is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's evening news on WSB, the phone number. 404 872 750 1-800-WSB-TALK, she's back, we are past the 15th minute of fame for Stacey Abrams, uh, but she's back, she's on the cover of Vogue magazine, they've tweeted out, can Stacey Abrams save American democracy? <gasps> They're, they're helping her do her grifting. Listen, grifter's got a grift to stay afoot, to to keep income rolling in. That That's what Abrams is doing out there. She's raising money. She's got a bunch of, of nonprofit voter groups out there trying to do voter rights activism, which is really all about helping get Democrats elected. And she gave this very interesting interview. I, I want you to listen to some of the audio where even the reporter has to... Explain that all Brian Kemp did as Secretary of State was comply with a law written by Democrats.
1: Stacey Abrams ran for governor of Georgia that same year and lost by less than 55,000 votes. She believes that voter suppression and other tactics were at least partially to blame. Do you think the vote was stolen from you? The election was stolen from
4: you? I think the election was stolen from the people of Georgia. I don't know that empirically I would have won.
2: Whoa, 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 stop, stop. This is, this is Abrams admitting she did not win. She says that she doesn't know empirically that she would have won, that the vote was stolen from the voters now, not from her. That should be the headline here, but of course it's not.
4: If you add together the thousands of people who faced extraordinarily long lines, who faced hurdles that should not happen in a democracy, the votes that we know were not counted. The secretary of state, who was also the opponent, my opponent in the race, purged more than 1.4 million voters over basically an eight year period.
1: The opponent Abrams is referring to is GOP Governor Brian Kemp. Purging voters from the rolls is not illegal. In fact, the law that allowed Kemp to do it was passed years ago by Democrats.
2: Yes, yes, and, and notice she said he, he purged voters over eight years. When during the campaign, it was all about the last year before the election, uh, that somehow he had done a massive purge to help him. No
1: way to remove people who had moved out of the state or died. But Abrams says Kemp's office purged voters in a way that disproportionately impacted African-Americans. Isn't there a law that defines
4: how you get purged, but the aggressiveness with which it was applied and the fault in the database?
2: <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Did you just hear that? Did you? Isn't there a law that uh, talks about how it's applied? The, the aggressiveness, the aggressiveness of it. It wasn't that he did anything wrong. He was just, he was aggressive applying a law that Democrats wrote.
4: Uh, because we know people were purged who had not matched any of the criteria for being removed from the rolls.
2: We're, what are their names? Hmm? What, what are their? Where where were they at the press conference? Who are these people? Surely they should be able to get back on the rolls.
1: The Voting Rights Act of 1965 is supposed to guard against racial discrimination at the polls, but in 2013, the Supreme Court decision in Shelby County versus Holder. Erased a key provision in the act and weakened those protections. Shelby versus Holder,
4: do you think 2018 would be different if that uh, court decision 2016 would have been different? 2018 absolutely would have been different.
2: This is professional victimhood. So Brian Kemp aggressively, do you know why he aggressively applied the law? because he had been enjoined by a federal court that had to look at the law to find out if it discriminated the court decided it didn't but during that multi-year process of court review they told him not to purge anyone so once they were out of the court review he had to go back and clean up the rolls from the years prior who did he take off the rolls people who had died people who had moved people for whom he had sent out postcards asked him to reply and they never did and people convicted of felonies, also people who just didn't want to vote anymore and told him so. Those are the only five groups he could purge from the voter rolls. He can only do it in odd-numbered years. He couldn't even do it in the election year. The Secretary of State was prohibited by law from doing it in the election year. Here you have Stacey Abrams for the first time actually admitting a few things. She doesn't know that she could have won empirically. And Brian Kemp complied with a law by the Democrats, and she claims to have people who were removed from the roles who should not have been removed, but she cannot provide those people to us. That's a pretty staggering admission that the mythology is beginning to crumble and she's got to have a new act. Now, I, I they're going to try to make Stacey, they're gonna beto O'Rourke, Stacey Abrams. In fact, her cover on Vanity of uh, on Vogue is the Vanity Fair Beto treatment. It's essentially what they're doing. They're, They're trying to prop her up now. This will be an ongoing thing into 2022, but it will be old news by then. In the meantime, what you have in Georgia are Democrats and the media working together to attack Republicans for anything and everything. I mentioned yesterday... The Democrats are attacking Brant Frost who's on the state committee. Now, full disclosure I feel like i got to disclose this um, Today, uh, First Liberty Georgia, First Liberty Building Loan has uh, sponsored my morning show and, and the reason I mentioned First Liberty Building Loan, FirstLibertyGA.com is because that's the Frost family's company uh, They're friends of mine. I, I know them. I've known them for a while and they were willing to, to step up and uh, help get the gathering finished and get the new show launched and they sponsored today's morning show. Feel like I need to tell you that, but they're friends of mine. I would be defending them one way or the other. And the reason is because what Brant Frost said is there's nothing wrong with it. He he said that the Democrats are essentially going to be uh they got a, a procreation problem. They're they're aborting kids and they're not having kids. And it is the Christian evangelicals and the Hispanic voters in this country who are outpacing everyone else uh, in reproduction rate. And that's actually true. It is a factual statement. It is one I have said multiple times on this radio program that when you look demographically at the census data and everything else, it is Christian evangelicals in this country, and among them, a significant portion of whom are actually Hispanics, also Catholic uh, Christians. Uh, They are outpacing everyone else in this country. This country is at a net loss in population we as a nation are no longer reproducing enough people to sustain ourselves that is why at some point we're going to have to cave on the immigration front if we're to sustain our population we're going to have to bring people in and assimilate them and make americans the only group of people in this country who are actually outpacing the reproduction rate are christians actually Christians, practicing Christians, Hispanic in particular, uh, and, and oddly enough, I looked this up earlier today because I mentioned this on my morning show, uh, it is Hispanic Protestants more than Hispanic Catholics who are outpacing the um, committed catholic families though still growing and committed evangelical christian families still growing that is not not as a an ethnic identifier but as an actual go to church regularly those groups of people the people go to church regularly they're the ones outpacing everyone else in population and so Brad Frost's point was, if you think the culture is in decline, yeah, okay, uh, but look out 30 years. The, the people who are producing or reproducing at a sustainable rate are the people of faith, and the people not of faith are not reproducing. That is a fact-based point. And I realize we are in an emotional era when people say they feel instead of they think, but it's a fact-based point. Now, the only reason I bring this up because I mentioned it yesterday, the only reason I bring this up is because we have yet another media-based attack on the Republicans. That was yesterday's attack. Today's attack is that the Republicans are doing a fundraiser in Smyrna where they're going to shoot guns. You would be, you will not be surprised to learn that it is members of the media who are really the ones fired up about this. I've seen GPB reporters and others all on the warpath about this, trying to find out which Republicans are going to be there. We will let you know which Republicans dare to go to this event weeks after two shootings in this country. The event's been planned for months. It is the fifth year of doing this event. But never, ever let a crisis go to waste. The, the left media in this country, the Democrats, the Democrats are circulating this as well, they're out to tar and feather Republicans for daring to go to the 5th annual 11th Congressional District Fundraiser where they do a marksmanship competition. You can bring three guns, a, a rifle, shotgun, pistol. Uh, you can have barbecue. I mean, the the outrage should probably be the barbecue, depending on what it is. I assume it'll be good barbecue but the fact that the democrats and the media are highlighting this after yesterday's attack on the gop about uh, brand frost today's attack on guns it's just very clear that what the democrats want to do to try to take back power in georgia is just keep everyone outraged that they, they want to do what they accuse donald trump of doing all the time if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem growing businesses have and that keeps so many of them from knowing their numbers is they have so many systems they got to use. It's just a hodgepodge network of business systems, CMSs, it's just it's a mess. Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business and an easy-to-use cloud platform gives you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting, orders, and HR instantly right from your desktop or your phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insight with a free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at netsuite.com eric. That's netsuite.com eric to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits netsuite.com slash eric you want to grow your business you need to know what's going on with your business once you know what's going on with your business you need to get all the interconnected business management software pieces into one package for greater efficiency again save time money and unneeded headaches by going to netsuite.com slash eric download your free guide seven key principles to grow your profits The 5th Annual 11th District GOP Marksmanship Event and Barbecue Reception will be Friday, August 16th, uh, hosted by Adventure Outdoors. Uh, So a Trump bus shows up at 3.30. The Marksmanship Event is from 4 to 6. There's a limit to 80 people. Um, You got to go online if you want to do it. You can show your Second Amendment support by trying out your Marksmanship You get three targets three firearms rifle pistol revolver five rounds each rifles to be provided by daniel defense i adore daniel defense just so you know i love daniel defense i love my ar from daniel defense i got an email the other day that they got new ones I, i just i love daniel defense wonderful company so this is what has the media all upset this event has been planned for a while It is the fifth year they've been doing it, and Democratic members of the legislature are circulating this, trying to whip the media into a frenzy to shame the Republicans. Why? Well, because the Democrats in Georgia are pretty aggressively in favor of gun control, if not gun confiscation. I've seen reporters for certain networks out there saying they're going to keep a list of the Republicans who show up. And thus far, every statewide Republican was going to show up, except possibly Brian Kemp, who still wasn't sure. They're all going to be there and we're going to shame, shame, shame them. I'm not actually kidding. They actually, that's what they want to do. These are reporters. How dare the GOP? I mean, you know what? God bless the the, the AJC, which I, I think to some degree, probably the reporters are a little bit out there on this as well. But they at least point out this is the fifth year they've done this. This was scheduled well before the shootings. This isn't sort of an in-your-face thing, and it's not something you can immediately promptly cancel either. So they're going on with it. You know who's going to be there? Barry Loudermilk. You know why that's significant? He was involved in a mass shooting when a Democrat tried to kill all the Republicans in Congress. want to try to rush through a couple of local stories that I think are of significance uh, you need to know about. The first and foremost is John King taking action. John King being the uh, insurance commissioner appointed by Brian Kemp, the first statewide Hispanic official in the state of Georgia, brought to you by a Republican governor. The Democrats would tell you uh, Republicans don't do these things, and and yet here we are. Uh, John King has asked the um, board members of the Georgia Underwriting Association to resign. Uh, the Georgia Underwriters Association is essentially the place of last resort where businesses and individuals can go. If they can't find insurance somewhere else because of their property conditions or whatnot, they can go to the Georgia Underwriters Association and get insurance. Uh, the state oversees the Georgia Underwriters Association. The way the GUA works is the insurance commissioner puts four people on the board and the insurance industry, puts the rest on the board. I think they put seven or eight on the board. And John King, yeah, it's 12 people. The um, insurance commissioner puts four on, and the rest are put on by insurance companies. Uh, It is composed of insurance company executives, agents, university professors, uh, two former lawmakers involved in the insurance industry, and uh, he is not singling out individual members of the board, but he's saying, y'all need to go. And the reason is because it is the Georgia Underwriters Association that hired Jim Beck as their executive director. And in hiring Jim Beck as the executive director, uh, Jim Beck used his position to essentially, according to a federal indictment, undermine and take money from the George Underwriters Association uh, in an illegal manner. And so John King is saying, yes, you guys are victims here too, but you should resign to restore confidence in the organization because this went on for a long time, right under your noses and you never caught it. So he wants a full audit and he wants the members to resign. Good. Uh, They absolutely, all of them should resign. Some of them, I know some of them are friends of mine. They all need to resign. Every last person on this agency needs to resign. Good for them. Um, I I also want to hit a another uh, topic, and that is the income tax in Georgia. The income tax in Georgia is at five point seven five percent, and when it's at five point seven five percent, the state wants to lower it to five point five percent. There's a resolution that was passed a law last year, remember, after the federal income tax cut. The state lowered the Georgia tax rate. And the reason the state lowered the Georgia tax rate is because otherwise people would have seen a big tax increase in Georgia. So they lowered it to 5.75% and they put in place in the provision that they could pass a resolution to reduce it to 5.5%. There is a, a budget think tank in the state that is if, leans to the left and progressives are assailing the idea of cutting the income tax because it will benefit too many rich people and won't benefit enough poor people. Do you know what the top in where the top income tax rate begins George this is part of my frustration here uh, with the way this is being covered in the media. Households earning more than 500000 a year would on average get almost $2,800 a year in the cut. That actually would not be a tax cut for most people. It would be a very minor change that the state can't afford, says the guy from the Budget Institute, who interestingly enough had worked as an aide for Casey Cagle and doesn't want the state Republicans to cut taxes. Hmm... So let me ask you again, do you know where the top tax rate in Georgia begins? It's 5.75% right now. What is the threshold to get into the top tax rate? Because remember, here you have the this left-wing budget institute saying that it will not impact most Georgians. Most Georgians will not benefit from this tax cut. Where does the top rate begin dollar-wise? What do you have to earn to get into the top 5.75% tax rate in Georgia? Do you have any idea? $7,000. $7,000. That's where the top income tax rate begins in Georgia. If you make $7,000 or more you're in the top rate. You pay 5.75%. It is essentially a flat tax. You pay 5.75% of your income in taxes to the state. If you make $7,000 or more, you're a top earner. And the state wants to reduce that to 5.5%. So in other words, every single person who makes $7,000 a year or more in the state of Georgia would see their income taxes go down. This is being demagogued by the left because if you make $500,000 and your taxes go down a quarter of a percentage point, a quarter of a point of $500,000 is bigger than a quarter of a percentage point of $7,000. You still get the same percentage tax cut. They impose common core math on people and then they they just know you're idiots and can't do the math in your head. Y'all, this is this is this is a, a silly silly thing. Yes, they're absolutely right. A person who makes a million dollars, if you if you lower the income tax rate, a person who makes a million dollars will get will have more out of their income saved than someone who makes $7,000 in terms of dollars. But you know what? In terms of percentage, both of them will get the same tax cut. They will both save a quarter of a percent on their taxes. And the left would prefer not to talk about it that way because they're really not about equality. I know they say they're about equality, But what's equal here? That that the rich guy and the poor guy should pay the exact same dollar amount in taxes? No. No. Pay the same percentage. Pay the same percentage. And that's what's happening here. From $7,000 on up, you're in the same tax bracket in Georgia. And you would never know, by the way, from—and I looked at multiple media outlets from around the state— I looked at news outlets in Savannah, in Atlanta, in Rome, in Columbus, in Macon, and the few that were actually covering the story, all of them just went with the left-wing think tank's talking point that uh, the rich will benefit from this more than the poor, and so it shouldn't be done, as opposed to pointing out that the top income tax rate in Georgia is $7,000. And so anyone who makes $7,000 or more will get a quarter percentage point savings on their income tax rate. But God forbid we ever report it that way. It would nearly be a scandalous. Alrighty, So, uh, I would like to spend a moment to discuss my bitter disappointment with all of our political leaders. (laughs) Um, The situation in Hong Kong is growing steadily worse. And there are some of you in the listening audience, because I know you've reached out to me, who say none of our business, we're not the world's policemen, leave it alone. And every single time the United States has said, uh, it's none of our business, leave us alone, Uh, we have had a global outbreak of hostility. Whether it's two world wars or a rise of, of global terrorism... You name it. Uh, And I'm not even asking our politicians to do anything other than say the protesters need to be protected. And neither Democrats nor Republicans want to speak up and do that for people fighting communists. And that's shameful.